Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Addictive Pod. I'm your host, Adrian, and I'm so excited to be back on the mic. I haven't done an episode in ages. I've been so busy with school and work, um, but I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. I recorded it a while ago um, with a lovely human being who reached out to be on the show. And she came on the show to tell a story that is pretty wild. She was a nurse in the emergency department. She experienced PTSD, um, went through a terrible custody battle, a divorce, had her house burnt down accidentally, and developed a Xanax addiction to cope with all of this. And she comes on the show to share her story of how she recovered from this terrible addiction, how she was able to turn her life around, become a resiliency coach, an international speaker, an author, and the founder of the Love and Light Foundation. Please join me in welcoming Sandra Lee. And we're live with Sandra. How's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for reaching out. And I'm really excited to hear more of your story. It seems like um, you've been through a lot and you've also done a lot in recovery that I'm excited to talk about. Um, you're yes. definitely a very active member of the community, which I love to see. And I love yeah. to um, just see people that are using their past to like inspire and help others. That's really what my show is all about and what recovery is all about, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So where does your story begin? Like before, before Xanax, before any addiction, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Yeah, so I am from Metro Detroit, Michigan, and uh, my this part of my life story actually um, begins when I was a nurse for five years. Um, I started my nursing career in the emergency department, oh, and no yeah, and then after five years in the emergency department, I started having um, symptoms of PTSD which at the time I didn't know that's what was happening to me, but um, obviously now I do. But I started having night terrors and I started having anxiety and panic attacks and behavior changes. And uh, I suffered in silence. I didn't seek support. It got to the point where I was having panic attacks at work and I would go into the bathroom and literally panic wow. and then tell my charge that I had to go home because I was sick. And I ended up quitting the job that I loved so dearly. Uh, so that was actually the beginning of the darkest time of my life. I um, continued to not seek support. And I was dealing with all of these symptoms and all of these thoughts and feelings, and which poured over into my personal life. So then I went through a brutal divorce. Um, it, it was pretty brutal. I was married for, uh, 16 years. Wow. My high school three. Wow. Yes. And so I went through a brutal, horrific divorce. Um, it was just a really dark, dark time. Uh, I ended up, yeah, just so much happened. Um, so after the divorce, I actually, uh, got remarried and then I still had all of these things going on. I still had all these symptoms. I still had all this stuff. And my life just kind of went down downhill. I was in a custody battle. Um, we lost a family member to suicide. Oh we just gosh. had all of these traumatic things 
like one after another after another happened to us. And uh, I actually got into an altercation. I went to jail. Um, I got a PPO. Like it was a, a dark time. Um, and then actually I had a suicide attempt. I had an unliving attempt. And uh, after that unliving attempt, I was put on multiple medications. And having no prior psych history, they put me on six different medications. And I was so, like, affected by all of these medications. I had medications to keep me awake. I had medications to put me to sleep. I was in a fog. Like, I was so numb. And, like, they gave me memory issues. And, like, it was just a bad time. And I actually... um, in that time period, I left a space heater on and uh, accidentally broke my house down. Oh, my god! And, yes. So, that was the camel. The camel. That was the... <laughs> yeah, that is a camel. You know That's, not even a straw. That's not even <laughs> not a straw even that, that breaks about. That is a whole camel that broke the other camel's back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> As if you hadn't been through enough. Oh, my gosh. Right. So, um, so that was it, uh, that I started abusing those medications. It was like, as soon as we were out of our house, um, we moved, we were first put in a hotel and you still, you were still married at the time to your second husband? Yeah, to my second husband. Yes. And, uh, actually I'm still married to him. Okay. And, uh, we, with three kids. And three dogs, we moved into a hotel. We literally lived in a oh hotel downtown Detroit. Um, it was a very nice hotel. We lived at the Book Cadillac. But um, it doesn't matter when you just go through that type of trauma and you lose everything you pretty much had. I lost all my children's memories, their pictures, their baby clothes. Like, it was really things that I can't get back. Um, and then having to deal with all the guilt and shame hmm. um, of accidentally burning your house down and almost killing your dog, that was really heavy. So I first started with the Adderall and uh, was drinking and taking the Adderall. And after I was awake for about four days, um, I had like a mental break and my uh, psychiatrist told me to take the Xanax to bring me down and let me sleep. And so that was actually the very first day that I started abusing the Xanax. And Mm. for the next almost two and a half, three years, uh, I was a functioning addict. I worked at this time at home facilitating care, like over the computer. Okay, as a a nurse? Yes, as a case manager, nurse case manager. And uh, I would wake up in the morning and I would do my job. And the minute my job was done, I would just start popping all those Xanax and I would go to sleep. And I pretty much slept my life away. I lost all connection to anybody. Um, I was literally just numbing uh, a zombie. When you sleep, you don't think, you don't feel. And that was my escape. Can I ask about the PTSD? I mean, did you did you have any awareness at the time, like from the moment you started having those symptoms and emerge to Mm -hmm. the moment you started taking Xanax? Did you have awareness of what trauma you were um, that that you were suffering from, like from your past? Or was it all just it was a blur? 
Yeah. So actually, in the beginning, um, it was the trauma from cases that I worked in in the emergency department. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. And the nightmares would be like, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to describe it. Uh, describe I, work in, I work in Emerge. I actually work in Emerge. Oh, you right do? Now. Yeah. yeah, that's why, oh, like, awesome. that's why as soon as you brought this up, I was like, oh my God. I mean, yeah, it is such a stressful environment. I wasn't sure if it was Emerge that triggered, like, a memory of past stuff or if it was Emerge itself. Well, it was actually, it was, it was Emerge itself. That's, that's really what it was. Um, and then from that, I don't know, it just opened something up and then maybe past things came up. Um, which is possible, uh, because from there, then I started feeling trauma from the divorce or from when wow. I found out that, you know, my husband had cheated on me with my friend, like that feeling oh of shock, like would just re hit me all the time. So I would just keep re-experiencing different traumas. So it kind of started with the emergency stuff and then it just went through to my personal life. Got it. Yeah, and like I said, I just started having so many traumatic things happen one after one after one. So, like, at the time, it was, like, everything, and I wasn't aware of my triggers then. I wasn't aware of, like, what exactly was causing the panic attacks or Mm -hmm. the, you know, it was just kind of all blurred together. When you started taking Xanax, or abusing Xanax, I should say, um, how did your husband and your kids respond? How, How was that experience for them? So, for them... My husband, I want to say that he thinks that I just was battling depression. Um, he really wasn't aware of how much I was taking. Mm-hmm. And I hid it pretty well because nobody was home during the daytime or like in the evening. People would come home at the same time, you know, later in the evening, 7, 7.30. Um, I would set my alarm on my phone to be awake. Then I would make dinner. And then I would take more pills to go back to sleep. So I pretty much hid it from them. They didn't know. Got it. Got and even it. my closest friends didn't really know. They just thought it was very isolative. Um, nobody really knew. And how long did that go on for, this uh, daily use? Um, it went on for about two and a half, maybe three years. And I actually couldn't sustain my job anymore um, because of it. Uh, so I ended up leaving that job. I tried to do, um, another like home care job and I couldn't do it. So definitely dark time. The dark time among many dark times that you experienced. Yes. Oh, brutal. Was that like a a 10 year period? Like from the year, from the divorce to starting on Xanax? How long of a period was that? That was like a two year period. Okay. It was, yeah, it was like everything happened, like really, like bam, 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 right? Wow. Yeah, actually, I want to think it may have even been less than two years. It was just so much trauma, like all... Everything just fell apart Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was literally like I woke up one day and my life was just on the ground. Um, I had went from an active mother doing Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, like you name it, band, theater, like everything my kids did. It was very involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I worked as a nurse three twelve a week. And so I went from a very active, uh, you know, functioning person to disconnected, barely being able to function, like not even recognizing myself in the mirror. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty rough. 
how do you think let me let me think how to how to ask this um do you think that um it's the trauma itself like the things that happen and emerge itself that can be largely to blame for this or do you think it was more about your perception or your reaction to those events uh it, it was you know i want to say a little bit of both because a lot of the things that bothered me i think they would bother anybody but mm-hmm. my issue was i didn't have a self-care routine i didn't have healthy coping mechanisms i didn't process my thoughts and feelings when i had a hard case or a case that really hit my heart um so i, I mean it was pr- probably my fault my reactions were probably my fault because of my lack of knowing how to handle those things. And we weren't educated, like really coming from all different walks of life and people maybe having emotional coping skills and maybe not as a new nurse, you literally get no, um, there's no self-care training. There's no emotional, nothing. Um, you're not really taught that. And even in nursing school, there's not even a class for self-care. Hmm. So you're you're really trained to take care of your patients, but you're not reminded or refreshed. Or for people who don't have good coping, you're not taught how to handle that. So hmm. I think that was a huge contributing factor. I can imagine. I mean, yeah. it's such a it's such an intense environment, emerge especially, and the burnout yes. is so high. It and is. then they wonder why there's a shortage of nurses and there's a shortage of healthcare practitioners. It's like, yes, well, or they wonder why maybe. there's such a high addiction rate of healthcare professionals yeah. stealing from the job, uh, you know, yeah. narcotics, or they wonder why, you know, healthcare professionals have a higher suicide risk rate than the general public. There's no education, there's no emotional support. I mean, I would hope that it's been five years since I was there. I would hope that since COVID and since, you know, everything that they would be addressing this more. I think it got worse during COVID in some ways because there was even more of a shortage, right? So yes. they're, they're, they're expecting even more of the, of the employees that stayed to pick up shifts, work overtime. Um, I mean, I'm in Canada, so I can just speak from... Uh, the Canadian side of things. I don't yeah. know what it's like in, in Detroit. Oh, it was the same. Absolutely. Probably the same. Yes. And then through COVID, I could watch my friends who are still practicing nurses. And uh, I could see the changes in them. And uh, oh. also, um, there was a, a lot of PTSD going on after COVID that's still emerging now from healthcare staff that worked through COVID. It's It's a thing. It's really sad. It's really sad. I'm it's cur- I'm curious to see like what comes of this uh, in the healthcare field. Yeah. Like how organizations work to just support their staff better. How about we Yay. try and have staff that can stay longer and have longer careers in this field without burning out? Like how can yes. the institution support that? Yes, um, absolutely. But tell me more about tell me more about Xanax. So it went on for two years, roughly. Yeah. Honestly, at the back of my head, it's two and a half. It feels like three is too long, but I want to say maybe two and a half years. When what what brought it to an end? When did you eventually realize that it was really negatively affecting you? You know what's crazy is that when you are in it, you don't realize that you're in it. You don't like really have an awareness because it just becomes your life. It becomes your routine. 
it just becomes that's what you are that's what you do that's mm-hmm. how you live um and so i was literally just in this vicious abuse cycle and honestly it was the craziest thing i was laying down woke up one day and literally just a thought hit me out of nowhere and the thought was what the hell are you doing with your life and i don't know like what provoked this thought like what it was it was just the craziest thing and after that i was just laid there and i just was i guess in reflection and uh, a Bible verse came to my mind, and then an Eminem verse came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Wait, wait. Do you remember both of them? Because I'd love to hear both. <laughs> I do. So the Bible verse was for, I know the plans for you, says the Lord, plans to harm you. Uh, not plans to harm you. <laughs> God. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but plans to give you hope in the future. Um, so and what about Eminem? It was that verse. And, uh, yeah, it was from his, uh, I'm not afraid song. And, uh, it was the, the part where, you know, if you're going through it now or whatever, take my hand and, um, oh, yeah. yeah. And Walk then, this road together. Yes, through the through storm. The storm. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it was, which is crazy. So I always say, well, God and Eminem saved my life. They woke me up that day. The two holy books. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so oh, yeah, that. that's. So laying there in reflection, I, I guess I realized in those moments that I lost connection with my children. I hadn't really been like my family. I hadn't been at Christmases. I stopped going to nephew's birthdays. Like in the, those moments, I guess I realized all of this stuff. And uh, it was literally like I woke up to my life. Like, hmm. whoa, it was it was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was good because that's what I yeah. needed. I mean, but the realization, the awareness yes, would be extremely painful to that, suddenly realize. That was, yes. And that's when the awareness hit me that day out of nowhere for no reason on right. a random day. And so I thank God every day for that. Um, so that was the day that I called my husband at work. And it took a lot of courage because um, I didn't know how he was going to react. And uh, I said, hey, uh, I just need to let you know that I have actually been really abusing Xanax. And I'm up mm. to such and such milligrams a day. And uh, he was like, oh, my God. Because, um, like, they didn't know. Yeah. I hit it very well. Um, Did you need medical assistance to withdraw from it and to like? No. What had happened was um, very stubborn, very stubborn person. I had a lot of pride (laughs) then, um, and a lot of shame, especially because of my profession, because I'm a nurse. A lot of guilt and shame, and so when I called my doctor, she said, "Okay, we need you need to go to a treatment center," and I said, no, I'm not going to go to a treatment center. I'm going to do this on my own at home. And she said, I do not advise that. There's two things that you can die from uh, withdrawing from, and that's alcohol and benzodiazepines. Mm, the downers. Yes. And you can literally. So you have a seizure, right? You, yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. And so I went against medical advice. And uh, I got the information of how to wean myself. 
and my husband and I, he now then was the only one that had the Xanax. Like I didn't have any access to it anymore. So he would dose me. Um, mm. And we took six weeks and we went down and dose. Um, I forget now. I think it was every week we went down a certain percentage. Um, but I don't wow. recommend that. Yeah, I was about I, to please, say. Anybody <laughs> listening, don't say Sandra said do that. Please, God, do, do not do that. You may die. Do not do that. Yeah, so we did that. We I weaned. We weaned myself, uh, which was brutal. I will say that was the most brutal thing I have ever been through, besides waking up in a hospital bed when I unsuccessfully mm. tried to end my life. Um those two are probably the most darkest, brutal moments of my life. And, and what was it like? I mean, as you're coming off of, like, oh. as you're decreasing the dose, is your mind just incredibly agitated? You're super yeah, anxious so and you, overactive? Yeah, so you get rebound anxiety. So you're, so I'm having rebound anxiety and I'm having panic attacks. And also I'm still withdrawing. And uh, I would sweat. I would scream in my pillow I can remember wow I'm gonna get emotional I can remember screaming in my pillow holding my pillow and just screaming because I wanted Xanax so bad because every part of my body I had weird leg tingles I had these uh and like it was just like panic attack after panic attack Mm. and it was brutal I didn't sleep um yeah it's benzos are horrible horrible that's really scary i'm glad that nothing worse happened yes absolutely i'm really glad you survived that um (laughs) at what point did you did you kind of see the light and come out the other side was it at the end of that six weeks was it a little bit earlier it was um so i won't say that i mean i guess it was a long period before i actually saw light because even after the xanax is out of your body you're still learning how to not live with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then your feelings come back and you don't know what the hell's happening because you haven't felt feelings in years. And you're like, what is this feeling? Like, and then you're dealing with anxiety and panic because you can't have the Xanax. Um, it was hard. It was so hard. It took me a while. So I actually, after I did that, um, so after the weaning and the withdrawal and then, so here comes, okay, now we're clean. Um, I had a lot of guilt and shame. Like I said, because of my profession, I didn't want to go to like an A. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was the COVID and everything was shut down. We And this was at the point where nothing was even like on like in-person places hadn't switched to online yet. It was like in that time period. So what I did was what I knew how to do. I started reading books. Um, I started reading books. I got a gym membership. I started reading about emotional coping and recovery and steps. I started reading of the recovery steps and I just educated myself. However, it was, really hard and I was ready to like go back I was so ready and one day I found an ad on the computer actually it was on my phone it was on Facebook 
And it was called Get Your Shit Together Challenge for uh, Personal Development. And I had never seen a life coaching ad before. And I was like, hmm, it was a free five-day challenge. And it was Get Your Shit Together. And I was like, well, I need to get my shit together. Let's try this. That was the thing that honestly saved and transformed my life. Um, wow. It was, it was, that was it. What were some of the things in that challenge? Like, what were some of the practical actions oh, that you did? Um, so in that challenge, we pretty much, what it was, was I didn't believe in myself. Like, I had so much guilt and shame and so much, like, I didn't believe in myself. I hated myself. Um, like, all of that. This coach got me to believe in myself in five days. And so I invested in myself into the coaching program. And in the coaching program, I learned different techniques, uh, mindset shifts, different ways to rewire your thinking, uh, routines. Um, I learned how to build strong, healthy uh, self-care routines for, you know, emotional excellence and physical body and mentally um, different mindset things. It was and then there was the support. So I would do group coaching and uh, that was my support system. Um, was the coaching specifically around addiction or was it just kind of self-improvement, personal development? No. So it wasn't actually, it's pretty much a life transformation coaching. And in this coaching, you, the way he, he does it is um, when I was done doing it, I realized that I pretty much learned 12 steps. I just learned it in a different way and they weren't called the steps. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I pretty much went through the 12 steps that the traditional programs go through. I just did it in an untraditional way. Got it. Wow. That's really cool. I'm so glad yes. that there are those other options out there because there's a hundred reasons why people yes. don't go to 12 step groups. Yes. So to have another option and to have another um, message and, and support is so important. Yes. And 12 absolutely. steps don't work for some people, you know, like you got to have other options as well. Yeah. And I, I support all, all, all A's, all ways, all whatever works for anyone's yeah. personal recovery. Um, and like I said, I've studied the steps and, um, the actual steps and, and all of that. And, uh, because of my experience, this is, that's the whole reason why I do what I do today. So I'm so excited to hear about this part. What do you do today? Can you tell me yes. a little bit about the love and light to the world? Yes, that I can. Foundation that you started? Yes. Okay. So when I started this life coaching group and I found hope again and I started to see a future and I found purpose, I connected with my higher power. Um, it was placed in my heart to found an organization and, uh, I shared that with my group and they started supporting me. They became nice. my co-founders, my directors on my board, volunteers. Um, and I started making t-shirts out of my friend's garage and they were yellow t-shirts and they said, hashtag light it up. Yeah. And, I've, seen, uh, I've seen a lot of people on the show, actually like guests that I've had on the show yeah. I've seen wearing that t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I started making that t-shirt and people started wanting them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they want my shirts. So I started mailing out these shirts and making these shirts by myself and like doing all this. And 
this was like early in recovery and uh I got a look like I created a logo from a, a vi- you know the vision in my head of what I wanted to portray and it's just oh I'm looking to see if I have one it's actually this it's um a yellow earth with hands mm-hmm. and uh that's the logo I had created from what I visualized in my head um so anyways as I'm going through recovery um I'm struggling. It's hard. Recovery is hard when you're learning and you're growing and you're healing and you're diving deep into yourself to heal traumas. Um, It's a tough road. So anytime that I would like want to give up or quit on myself, I would see on Facebook, somebody would pop up in one of my shirts or pop up with one of my wristbands on or my hashtag. I would see my hashtag so it was that visible support that actually kept me going. And mm. uh, that's how the Light It Up project was born. Wow. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. So tell me a bit uh, like tell me a bit more about like what the foundation does. So you guys host yes. um, these groups, you have like free resources available. Can you tell me a bit about yes, that? Yes, absolutely. So our uh, our vision is for the world to come together to light up the world with love on the same mission and unity. And our mission is to create awareness, support, and education for mental health and addiction recovery. And uh, the Light It Up project is uh, using hashtag Light It Up with the yellow heart uh, on social media when you post kindness, wellness, or recovery posts. And what that does is the yellow heart creates awareness for that post. Um, We've just reached 1.1 million views on TikTok, which I was so because they're awareness views. So that means 1.1 million people have seen kindness, wellness, and recovery content. Um, and we have these yellow decals that we use on our houses and cars, and we have these in the United States and Canada. And I want to say the most important thing is these wristbands. And what these wristbands are and what this project is, It's uh, awareness for emotional mental wellness and visible support for anyone struggling or suffering with mental health or addiction. And uh, these bands, can you see it well? Yeah, so these bands, uh, these are our awareness bands. And uh, what this does is it shows connection and it kind of prompts anybody struggling or suffering to speak up and to know they're not alone. So that's the Light It Up project. Awesome. So what we that's what awesome. we actually do is uh, we speak and advocate. We have uh, Rockstar Speaking Services, and we have uh, free virtual wellness workshops. We have free virtual peer support groups on different subjects. We have uh, life after domestic violence, mental health, addiction recovery, um, mindfulness, emotional intelligence. Uh, just different support groups. So if anyone's listening and needs free peer support, you can find these on our website. And there is an anonymous option. You do have the option oh, so cool. to not turn your screen on. And what I've created is our healing circles. And like you said, this is kind of like an alternative option to the other groups or things that may not work for people. And it sounds like there's some... Like instead of focusing on a specific addiction, mm-hmm. it, there are other focuses as well: domestic violence, PTSD, yes. suicide, right? Yes. 
Um, that's so cool. That's so yes, cool, Sandra. Yes, different um, things. Yes, and then we're raising money for uh, our Hope Scholarship, which is to raise funds for uh, alternative treatment and um, abstinence-based coaching to kind of bridge the gap because these are life-transforming and life-saving programs that, I mean, literally will save people's lives that are not government-funded. Wow. It's so crazy to me how, like, in your addiction, right, you're sleeping the day away, just numbing out, very inactive. That's kind of like how a Xanax addiction is characterized is just, like, sleep, right? And now in recovery... I see so much like life in you and action and you're starting this foundation. You're, you're a motivational speaker. You're an author, right? It's like, you're making up for all this lost time with all this amazing action. And it's so cool to see that. Well, so what, what's crazy is, um, I sparked, um, in my healing, I sparked this passionate compassion to help people that were dealing with the same thing. Uh, with addiction, with mental health issues, which so many people struggle with both. Um, and because I've been there, I have felt that pain. Uh, it's, it's, it's a deep compassion to want to help people. Wow. What do you, what do you think gives you the most fulfillment of the different things you do, right? Like you, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. What do you think gives you the most fulfillment? What are you most excited to do to help people? Speak to crowds. Cool. Yeah, cool. that you is. You don't get stage fright, eh? You know, I don't. But one time I walked on stage and I thought I was going to have a panic attack. Um, oh, my God. So what I did, I had to think in the moment. So what I did is I did a breathing exercise with my audience and they had no Oh, I saw a video idea. of that. Did you? <laughs> I literally yeah. was like, somebody needed to close your eyes. Yeah, I saw you And do they that. thought I was teaching them. <laughs> Like they had no clue. So that's my go-to. Wow. So if you ever see yeah. me on stage and I'm doing meditating with my audience, um, I'm teaching them. <laughs> you're walking yourself off the ledge is what you're doing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's cool. Yes. That's cool. Because like, I never know. You think you're healed. You think, you know, but sometimes something might pop up. You might get triggered. It might. Oh, it's a normal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Public speaking is terrifying. Yeah. A lot of people are more scared of public speaking than they are of like, death like they literally ranked it based on fears and it's like it's so scary just to be up in front of a a big group and like I shake like a leaf I've only done it a few times but I start like I feel my body shaking and I think everybody notices but they don't oh my gosh so the very first time I spoke I actually flew to Cancun Mexico and I went by myself um which was huge for me because Going from never going anywhere, never going out in public because of my panic attacks and then the Xanax addiction. Like, I was not the person to to do that. So for me to fly somewhere alone and speak on stage was huge for me. Uh, So the very first time I spoke, I told my story about high school and the addiction that I went through in high school. And I... And how I graduated high school, like, you know, I had to do all kinds of stuff to graduate on time because I had, like, had a drug issue. But then I found out I was pregnant and, like, I went through my whole spiel and I literally connected with my audience so deep. I had, like, three standing ovations in the first few minutes. I had women in tears 
crying. It was, I can't even explain it. It was an amazing experience. And when I got off that stage, it was like, oh my gosh. And it was an amazing feeling to know that you've impacted lives. It was, it was great. No, you're, you're clearly gifted in that. And it's (laughs) amazing (laughs) that you have an opportunity now to share that and you have a message that's so worth sharing yes Um, so i usually speak about uh my favorites to speak about is resilience and how um, that you know everyone is resilient because they've survived their darkest moments and that no matter what they have the ability to ignite that inner light inside of them to bounce back from whatever situation that's like one of my big messages that I love. And then now I introduce my awareness project and I pass out awareness bands. Cool. I love it. It's That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Talk about resilience. You went through in two years what most people might go through in an entire lifetime of of dark times. That's yeah. a really, really intense period to survive. It was brutal. I barely made it out alive, but something saved me. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And now you get to help save others. And yes. I'm so grateful to to be part of sharing your message and Thank have you, you on so the podcast. Much. There's, can I um, tell you one more thing? Of about course. The, tell me two more oh, things. Okay. So <laughs> with, the, with the charity, I forgot to tell you that we also run a social media support platform called Rockstar Testimony. And uh, this, so on social medias, we have multiple partners that is just such a blessing to have. Um, we post their content every day and the whole, like the overall with all of their content, it's daily inspiration, it's encouragement, it's recovery support. Oh. We have multiple podcasts that have partnered with us. So we post their content and we post um, their podcast in our link tree and on our website and we also do wellness tips and wellness information. And so there's just so much stuff on there from different people. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, one of my co-founders, Dusty Simmers, does Rockstar Resilience Wednesdays. And uh, we go, she goes live on Instagram and interviews people with their resilience stories. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool, Sandra. Thank you. I'm so excited to see what else you do in the yeah. next couple of years. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How long have you been sober? I feel like I missed such a crucial question. Oh, and uh, so July 1st was two years. I, f- I, almost, I almost knew it was going to be two years. Yeah. Everything in your life is in two-year chunks. Yeah, right? It must be my lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see. Yeah. Uh, two years from now, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a huge business or something. Something big is going to happen. I hope. I've been building. <laughs> so I actually have um, a company. I have an LLC called Rockstar Resilience, and I'm almost done building my coaching program. I created a eight course cool. coaching program called Rise and Resilience, and my book is actually in the process of being published. And I released my book November sixth. Oh, that's close. Maybe I'll have you back on the show to talk about it. Sure. Oh my gosh. I would (laughs) love to. Yes. That's really exciting. Yeah. Long term, I would love to have a successful company LLC that helps people uh, providing service. And then I have my nonprofit 501c3 that also helps people. So I have big goals and 
A lot of sticks in the fire. Yes. Oh, so one more thing. You said two, so here's the yeah. second thing. Yeah, here's the second one. All right, These are hearts <laughs> behind me. These are actual, um, they're not actual lives, but they show, they're symbolic of the two lives that our project has saved that we know of. And so our mm. goal, oh, I'm knocking down my lion pitcher. So my goal, uh, our goal as an organization is to take this whole white wall and turn it yellow with live saved. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. I'm excited to see that yellow wall. Yes, That's awesome. me too. And there's probably lives you don't even know about, right? Like those are yes. two that have reached yeah. out and you know for sure, but you don't know the impact you can have even down the road, right? Somebody might hear your message, continue yes. into addiction, and then later down the road, remember something. Like you remembered that M&M yes. line just suddenly out of the blue. Absolutely. Um, planting seeds. Yeah, you're planting seeds. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome, Sandra. Well, you've left me a lot of a lot of good gems to think about and i'm Aww, really glad i got good. to meet you and, and share your story this has been awesome yes thank you so much thank you thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode of the addictive pod as always you can find me at addictive podcast on instagram feel free to send me a message any feedback about the show or if you want to come on the show if you enjoyed listening to sandra's story her instagram is sandra underscore lee underscore rn and her website is sandra lee i'm going to put links to both of those in the description so definitely go check that out get in touch with her get a copy of her book and i really hope you guys enjoyed listening to her story on my podcast that's all for me this week and as always remember we recover together <laughs>